Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Culture Ops Podcast. One of my personal biggest blind spots in building the culture at Charlie has been how to craft culture for the parents on our team. As someone who's not had the privilege to be one of those yet, um, I definitely recognize it as, as one, of my, one of my blind spots. So to get around that, we've had to lean on smart and intelligent people around us. Uh, I've had to listen and learn from those people, understand their experiences and their challenges. I'm very proud that we have four parents on our team, uh, all of which um, are amazing contributors uh, and uh, from what it seems like on the outside, also exceptional parents. I hope we do well to support them and make Charlie a place where they can and want to do their best work. But it's definitely been a journey to get there. Um, Crafting a culture that's built for parents takes time and real thought. So today, I want to unpack that. How and why should you build a culture that's really fit for parents? And when we knew we wanted to talk about this subject, really, there was only one guest that was going to be right for the topic. So with me today, I'm very excited, um, very grateful to have the very talented uh, Rachel Carroll, CEO and founder of Coru Kids. Hello, Rachel. How are you? Hello. I'm very good. I'm very well. Thank you. Good. Good. Um, so, I, I mean, thinking about the last 12 months, it feels like in many ways the heroics of being a parent has kind of been thrust into the spotlight. Is, 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 is that what you've experienced? Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think the heroics of a lot of people have been thrust into the spotlight. You know, we've had these series of like, no, that you know, the, the supermarket shelf stackers are heroes, and nurses are the heroes, and you know, bin men and postmen and all, all sorts of people um, that might have been overlooked in the past um, are the heroes. Also, seen a bit of a backlash against uh, against the word hero, but I think with parents, there's a kind of another there's another dimension to it, which is like. Yeah, parenting is really, really tough, but it's also uh, something that, you know, for most of us, we chose to do, hopefully. Um, And so there's sometimes an element of like, well, you chose this, uh, you know, and parents are acutely aware of that and therefore can be kind of reticent to complain. I mean, not not everyone, I'm like, I'm generalizing, but you kind of get this dialogue where it's like some people, some parents saying, yeah, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very, very tough. And then you, and then you, you get other parents chiming in immediately, saying, "Oh yes, but it's not as bad as." And then kind of comparing it to the people who are coping with the deaths in hospital, or the people who are on the front line, or you know the people who who have to do this stuff for their job or whatever. And so I think sometimes there's a bit of a reluctance from parents to see themselves as um, as heroics. Um, but it, what is definitely true is it is bloody hard. And I think one of the differences between parenting versus all those other things is that you can't, you can't walk away. Like it never, it never ends. You know, usually with, you've got your job and then you've got your parenting responsibilities and that those two things combined add up to your whole life. And right now they add up to more hours than there are in the day, actually. It adds up to more than your life. Whereas at least with some of these other 
um, jobs, you get to you get to go home. Um, and then if you if you're also a parent as well as being a uh, you know shell stacker, then um, yes, that's that's very difficult again. And um, you are a parent, but also what you do day to day in 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 your job and the business that you're building is also very focused on parents. So why don't you tell us a bit about what Coro Kids is all about? Yeah, so we are all about the family. We're all about um, helping the family flourish. I'm very passionate about the role that family plays in our life and in in really making us whole human beings with, uh, with a really great life experience. Um, so everything we do is focused on strengthening and helping the family. And um, more specifically, what we do is we provide really great childcare um, at the moment within London, but we're imminently about to expand outside London as well. And um, we used to, pre-COVID, we were very famous in London for our after-school service. So we um, recruited and trained nannies um, to look after kids after school. And now the boundary, I mean, what is school? What is after school? Where is school? Like all of that has kind of crumbled. So now what we do is we provide really fantastic, trained, vetted, part-time childcare in the home. And it turns out that's very much needed in, in COVID because in-home childcare is is obviously the, the most COVID-safe form of childcare. Yeah. I noticed you use the word family in how you talk about um, the business. You know, what's the thinking and the thought behind that? Is that a very uh, focused choice of word? Yeah, like family instead of parents, you mean? Mm, Yeah. Yeah, so our mission is all about the whole family and it's balancing the interests of the child and the interests of the parents. And One of my observations was that um, parents are very often... In, in the sort of, in the parent sphere and like the mum world, there's a whole thing about parents basically sacrificing themselves to their children. And um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things and in institutions that kind of assume that the child is the absolute most important member of the family and, and that everyone else, and especially usually it's the mum, will sacrifice themselves for the child. And it's maybe revolutionary, you know, it's it's maybe radical to say, well, no, the mom is still a person. Like the mom still has their personhood and their humanity. And we want to work to make sure that that person also lives a full life uh, and, and lives and lives their own life as well. And we take away, we, we, we try to take away all the stuff that isn't adding to their lives, like admin and paperwork and, you know, all the training and vetting and all of that so that the the family can spend time, more time as a family and can enjoy them and can enjoy each other more. So one example of that is um, around schools. You know, schools are often asking parents to do stuff like bring in, uh, we, uh, just before Christmas, I think we had three things we had to bring in in, in one day. It was like one toilet roll, an orange for a Christingle and a funny hat or something like that. And they're constantly asking you to do these things. And it might sound like nothing, like find an orange. Okay, how hard is that? But honestly, like in the middle of a pandemic, if you don't already have an orange, it is actually kind of a pain to go and get an and queue out and buy an orange. And and it's all it's this drip, 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 drip of these tiny things that in and of themselves sound tiny, like it's an orange, but it, they are vastly more likely to be taken on by the woman than the the mom than the dad. And, and all of it is kind of, 
it's just eroding their like any other time in their life for you know their career, their me time, their friends, their everything else. And so, so when when we say when we say we stand for the family, and and we balance the interests, we balance the interests of the children and the parents. So we make the experience super easy and super seamless. But we're also obsessed with child development. Like we're both things. So I guess it makes me think that maybe the 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 topic about building a uh, parent-friendly culture. Maybe my question should be, how do we build a family-friendly uh, culture? Yeah, um, yeah, maybe. And I, I think it's such an interesting question and, um, and very complicated. So let's get into it. So, so what are the advantages for an organisation um, in thinking about the place and the role of the parent and the family and how they can, um, uh, and how they can allow their culture to be uh, inclusive and, and useful uh, for them? I think some of this is like any other um, form of inclusion and diversity. I, you want a range of different views and a range of different life experiences. And I think that depends a bit on what exactly you're doing. Like if you are um, a company which is making products for, for university students and it's all about like going out and drinking or something, something that is just not likely to be um, what parents are doing, then it might be a bit less important that you have that form of diversity. But it's actually quite hard to think of examples of where you wouldn't want some kind of perspective of a parent. Like I had to kind of strain for that example. And even then you could say, well, I mean, there will be some parents who like to do that. And like, you know, so I, I think you just generally want a diversity of views and a diversity of experience. And we've actually gone on a, on a real uh, evolution within Cory Kids on this. I mean, ours is totally obvious why we would want parents. Like, we just make we just make better decisions for product, for marketing, you know, for everything when we have parents. But we've gone on a real journey. And um, to start off with, actually, for quite a long time, I was the only parent in the company. And um, that was really dangerous because it meant that it was it was just me, you know, like representing all parents. And, you know, I'm weird. I'm a founder. Founders are weird. Like you should never generalize. You should never generalize from yourself. And you especially shouldn't if you're a founder because you're weird uh-huh. by, by definition. Um, so it was really important for us to try to attract more um, more parents. And then that was obviously better for the product we are building. Um but just in general, it also had other effects. You know, it also led to us thinking about um, some of our people processes differently. And it led to um, having people with more and different experience coming in. Even things like how we ran our all hands, how we ran our meetings, you know, how we rewarded people. Like, people just brought different experience. And I think that's always valuable. Do you think that it's improved the... Um, the quality of the product and the service that you're building? Oh, 100%. There's no, there's no question about that. So, um, you know, having, I, I've, got, I've got very, very talented junior people who don't have kids. And what they'll do is they'll typically draft an email, just to take an example of like copywriting. Um, they'll, they'll draft some copy or, or an email or something. And then, and then one of the parents will, will have a look at it. And what usually happens is the parent just kind of spices it up. Like they'll just put in something which is really relatable, maybe something that's happened, it might be a joke, but it's just something that the, the person without the, 
the kid just would never have, they just would never have thought of it. It's not because they're not smart. It's just they would never have thought of it. I think the thing is that when you're a parent, because it's such a, um, it, you just spend so much time on it. It's like having another job, you know. I don't know how many hours a week you spend like doing parenting, but it might be easily like 30 or 40 hours. So it is another job. And and you've just immersed yourself in this world, you know, every weekend, every day, a lot of time when you're hanging out with your friends, you're talking about parenting. You just, your depth of knowledge is so big and you could never replicate that just, you know, by a non-parent kind of trying to do it for like a couple of hours a week or something. They're never going to get there. Yeah. I mean, I think that the argument for um, how a diverse range of views and opinions and context and worldviews improves the end product that we all produce, I think is, uh, I definitely feels that's something that we don't need to argue against. Um, I guess one of the things that I'm interested in is in building a place where parents want to come and where they feel supported, um, how do you perceive the effect that that has on them as as individuals and as contributors. Yeah, it's funny because it's not. I've, I don't have a control test. I'd like to have a control test to be able to like, be sure about this. Otherwise, it's just hunches. Um, but I guess what I can what I what I can think about is um, what, the way they talk about previous places they've worked when people come and work with us, um, having been somewhere else. And um, one of the things that people talk about is um, being able to be very honest about what's going on and very authentic. So, And we have lots of, of practices at Coro Kids which are um, about honesty and transparency and candor. Um, and that stems from a really um, core belief I have that um, misunderstandings and conflict and weird priorities and distractions a lot of that arises just because people don't um don't say what's really what's really going on for them emotionally and then they misunderstand each other and that's quite a that's quite a core belief i have and because i have that core belief i then create a whole load of these processes where the the point is to just surface what's really going on in your life so you know if if you had a terrible sleep just to give one example uh so this 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 actually happened this is a, a real example of you know, someone I was working with who um, had a terrible sleep because um, of his his baby, and um, he we, we were we were sharing this at the start of the meeting, and um, we all kind of go around and say how we're feeling, and he said I slept terribly and I'm really feeling really grumpy, and everyone went okay, got it, move on, and then some someone came into the meeting a bit late and sat down, and. Um, and, and the guy who, the second guy who came in, presented an idea that he had, and uh, and 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 ended up um, looking at this this guy who had a bad sleep, and saying um, saying what's wrong? You know, you hate it, and this which which again is because of our culture of transparency. It's the kind of thing where we encourage people to say to each other, like your face looks like you hate it. Do you hate it? Uh, and the guy said, Oh no, no no, you missed it. I had a terrible sleep. I'm just really grumpy, and like that. That to me, it's just it's such a micro example, but it's an example of where if we if you didn't have that culture of like it's okay to say that you had a bad sleep because your kid your kid was up, and it's so and it's not only okay but you're actually encouraged to share that, then what might have happened and what I have seen happen in other workplaces is 
the, the one of the guys ends up thinking that the first that the sleepy guy hates his idea and maybe ends up you know not doing his idea or presenting it that in a in a way that is is different and worse or you know whatever basically like the business suffers because we weren't honest that, and that's that mm-hmm. i just believe this very deeply and and so because of that um the the feedback i get from parents who and not just parents other types of people too is that when they join Coro Kids, they feel much more able to be honest and open and, you know, bring them whole, their whole selves to work, basically. And I'm sure that, therefore, the ideas, the discussion, uh, the meetings, the collaboration that happens off the back of that is just so much more authentic and valuable on so many levels because people, are, people feel like they can be honest in the room. Yeah, and, you know, I also, I also it's sort of a related belief that, like, part of your brain is always worrying about like, oh, what if they find out, you know, I'm feeling really tired, I have to hide it. Like, oh, I'm going to look stupid. I'm going to say this. Oh, I wasn't really listening. I blanked out. You know, all this, this like, just this buzz, this like constant monologue that people have in their head, which is like this critical monologue. If you can just shush that, like if you can just bring that down, then more of their brain is available <laughs> to work on the actual problem. And it's like, why wouldn't you do that? Like, why would you not want your want your team to be ten percent smarter? You know, obviously, you want them to be ten percent smarter. So, 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 I, you know, I think the more supportive and empathetic and understanding we can be, I think it makes your team smarter. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I'm sure you've had examples of. Well, I'm sure that your retention as an organization is far superior because people because one of your policies is about transparency and and people being candid with each other and open and and therefore people want to stay in the room rather than saying actually I don't feel like I'm heard here I don't feel like I can show up as my true self I don't feel like I can be honest about my other commitments be that as a parent or as you know there are like many other different types of commitments that can affect how someone shows up to work I'm sure your team hang around because of that yeah no, definitely. Uh, we do have really, really good retention, um, better than other places I've worked. And I think the thing that we, the, the most dramatic difference actually for me versus other pla- other places I've worked um, is just the lack of personal conflict. I was, re- I've been reflecting on this recently because I was remembering, some, <laughs> some, some, I was talking to someone about a, a place that I used to work at that had a lot of just interpersonal conflict. And I, I I was just thinking it's remarkable that, you know, we're now five years into Cory Kids and I can't think of a single example, um, which which is surprising, actually, I think. That's amazing. Congrats. You should be very proud. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the really frustrating tropes um, that gets thrown a little bit around, uh, maybe less so now, um, the kind of tech and startup community, is this idea of, uh, hiring young and ambitious people, uh, and I'm and I'm actually pretty certain that at one point in time, an investor said to me that either we should do that, or we've been invested in because we were young and ambitious and had lots of time on our hands. Um, and I, and I guess their argument is that they've got time and energy to devote to making a company uh, a, su- a success. Now, that's not something that I subscribe to in any way. But is there anything more that we need to do to convince people that value isn't created by time? It's created by 
the thoughts and the ideas and the context that you bring to the problems that you're solving. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I mean, it is all, it is all about like the, the quality of the decisions I think that you're making. And I'm sure we've all got lots of examples from our own lives where we worked really hard on something and it all ended up being a total waste of time because the idea itself was wrong or, you know, the, the strategy itself was wrong. And I think it's, um, there's definitely a huge amount of value in experience and also having made the, um, having made all the mistakes in the past. I mean, I founded Koru Kids um, when I was 36, which is sort of not, not old, but not young either. <laughs> it's kind of in the middle. Um, and had I founded it earlier, I mean, even frankly, three or four years earlier, I, there were mistakes I made during the three or four years before that, that I'm so glad I got out of my system before I founded Koru Kids. Um, and you know, and I think I, I don't think that's an unusual thing. Like I think people people learn from experience and they make mistakes. So I think there's just there, there's pros and cons of if you if you're 25 and you don't have dependents, you can work way longer hours, um, but you also are going to make lots more mistakes because you just haven't made them yet in your life. Uh, versus if you're 35, you may have a dependent. Um, but also you've already made the mistakes and you've got loads more experience. You've also got things, you've built up assets like a network um, and, you know, a lot of a lot of how you can get things done very quickly is just knowing the person to call, like having the little black book. You know, if you need to find, like, let's say you need a visual, a brilliant visual designer, you're 25 if you've never done it before. Even if you know how to choose a really good one, which probably you don't, but let's assume you do, you have to talk to like, 30 of them, you know, that takes you a week or something um, before you find your brilliant one. Same person at 35, they've worked with three brilliant ones already. They just literally call them and say, are you available? And then it's done. So it's like, it's not even 10x faster. It's like 100x faster, you know? Um, I guess then that, that's kind of the easy, I, I kind of played that out as like the easy answer. Um, you, I think there is, there is a hard bit of the answer, which is, okay, but what if you don't have that black book? Or what if you've moved cities? What if your network was all in, you know, like Namibia and now you've moved to London? Or what if you've moved industry? And at the end of the day, like hours at some point do matter. Um, and that is just a truth. You know, you get this sometimes with um, taking parental leave, for example, you know, if you're if you're a founder and you're going to take a year off in parental leave, I mean that is ju that is just going to be tough, um, and I think we shouldn't pretend that it isn't. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, and it's and it's kind of an uncomfortable thing to talk about in 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 some ways as well, right? Like, I guess that's the unspoken thing about this question, which is sort of which is. I, you know, whether we would like to say it or not, what is required to build a business in whatever industry, it is intense and it requires lots of energy. And I think talking about energy is maybe more useful word than talking about time because I don't I don't think hours are a very good a very good way of measuring doing things. But I think energy is a much better is a much better measure, right? And you know, you can still put three hours into something, but having you having to use all of your energy and it'd be very, very taxing. 
Yeah, I think I love the energy thing. And I think one thing that we, there's a part of this conversation that I think should be had um, and isn't, which is all about like having better mindsets around the downtime that you do have. So you can like, let's say you work, you work half days and you spend, you know, you work in the morning and you spend the afternoons with your kids, let's say. Like you can do that in a very depleting way where you're kind of always on and it's very exhausting or you can have a different mindset around it and use the, the time with the kids to be like very mindfully, very present. You can try and turn it into more kind of fun relaxation time. And, you, you know, that can be an incredibly annoying thing to say if you're finding it difficult. Like there's nothing, nothing more annoying than going, why don't you just enjoy this thing that's difficult? Um, but I do think you can do it. And the reason, the reason I think that is because I've gone personally, and maybe I should just say this about myself and not generalize it to anyone else. Just a comment on myself personally. I have gone through times where where I'm working very hard at work and then I come out and I do childcare and it is draining and depleting. And then I've had a word with myself and and I've thought to myself, you know, Rachel, you are freaking privileged, like to have these two opportunities and like enjoy this moment because the kids are going to be teenagers and they're not going to want to be constantly like grabbing you and yelling mummy 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 and if if I can just reframe that in my head as being like a celebration of me rather than like a need for me you know these are two different mindsets you can have like I walk out of my 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 room right now I see my kids and I guarantee they will they will they will shout mummy 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 a hundred times and they'll run up to me and it's my mindset I can either think of that as like, oh God, more people who need me, like, you know, when I'm getting depleted here. Or I can think, oh my goodness, this is like festival of (laughs) mum, you know? Wow, these two amazing fans, like how lucky am I? And I can decide to get energy from it. And I don't know Mm. whether that is helpful for anyone else, but it is helpful for me. Do you think a business has a role to play in helping create those healthy boundaries and healthy sort of signposting in terms of, right, this is work, this is not work, and, and being respectful, I guess, of, of the boundaries that you want to create about your relationship with your family and your kids? Um, yeah, I think, but I think lots of different businesses are sort of experimenting with different versions of this. And you see sometimes quite opposite behaviours, like you see, um, you see businesses saying, you know, we're not going to have emails in the evening. And then you see other businesses saying you can work whenever you want, you know, and both of these do these, and both of these are like, we are family friendly. And then they have these completely opposite policies, which is, which kind of just shows you that people are experimenting and there's not a consensus yet on like what is more family friendly and in terms of setting mm-hmm. boundaries. I think, um, I actually, I saw one person, uh, I saw a tweet over, over Christmas and it was someone saying, um, oh, I'm really restraining myself from sending emails. You know, I, I'll set them all to go on Monday, the 6th of January at 9 a.m. And I was reading that and I was like, no! <laughs> because I personally, I, do, I didn't want to completely switch off. I, I was doing like an hour a day and I was, uh, 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 the thought, just the thought of like coming into a wall of email on Monday was so horrible for me. Um, anyway, and so, I, and I think, I think that's like, that for me is like a, like a do not do, you know, a don't, um, is like, 
don't tell people how, like, in the name of flexibility, don't be inflexible. Like, don't tell mm-hmm. people when to live their lives because you believe that they shouldn't be living their lives the way that they are, you know? Uh-huh. Like, if uh, I am someone who at times has done work at, like, 3 a.m., when I've, when, you know, I've been, the kid, my kid has woken me up. I am wide awake. I'm not getting back to sleep. And I'm like, well, I may as well do an hour now. And then I'll, you know, I'll knock off early, like the next day or whatever, you know, to be told that I, and I have been told in my career that I shouldn't be doing things like that. Um, and that really annoys me. So I guess my challenge for you though, is I think that's okay. As long as you're, wants and needs of how you want to work does not encroach on someone else's needs of how they want to work. So I guess my challenge for you is I, so you know Rob, my, my co-founder, and and Rob was a classic of this, right? Um, like a Sunday morning email sesh or a late night email sesh. But when he would work on Sunday, that would hit my in my inbox and I'm a very much, I've got rules and guidelines and I work in boxes and, and that kind of stuff. And it would give me a load of anxiety because I'd be like, oh, Rob's working. I should probably work. So I think, I think I, I'm completely of the, of the view that people should decide what works for them equally. I'm also of the view that choosing to work in a certain way shouldn't encroach on someone else's. We should be empathetic to to other people's needs and wants and priorities oh definitely and I think what I think especially anyone who's in a managerial position needs to be really aware of like the silent role modeling um Mm. uh, definitely so you know when I say when I say that's the way I work I um multiple times have said to my company explicitly this is the way I work but you don't have to um, so, you know, I've, I've stood up in, in, back when we were doing in person in front of the whole company and said, like, I really want you to know <laughs> that I will work on the weekend and I do not expect anyone to work on the weekend. Um, and that to me is like, is just how you square the circle. It comes back to like transparency and communication because the thing you're describing, the, the Rob and you thing, that's just a misunderstanding, right? Like, like that's you, you're, you, you feel anxiety because you feel like you're going to get judged or whatever. And, you know, I know Rob and I don't think he, he, he is like, he would, well, maybe, I don't know, you guys should talk. Um, but like, but th- what I mean is it's, it's highly likely to be an, a, an issue of transparency. Oh, of course. Right. Pretty much any issue in any organization comes down to communication in some form. Right. And like, you know, our own self, um, uh, like self-consciousness, our own worries, our own internal ego and how that kind of eats away at us. Like it's, uh, we, we've got um, in a couple of episodes time, we've got um, uh, Dr. Marcia Goddard, who's a neuroscientist and head of culture at uh, Tony Chocolone, which is the Dutch chocolate brand. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I've had a few conversations with her so far and um, thinking about, the neuroscience, the psychology of these things is is super fascinating. And um, I want to sort of touch on the kind of why now, why this is important now a little bit, and then we'll kind of wrap up by looking at some things that people can kind of do today, do tomorrow, do next week. But do you think because of COVID, because of the pandemic, organisations are, are having to think more or are thinking more about 
parents, families as a kind of key customer group for their culture? Yeah, I think they definitely are. And one thing that has happened for us is we're getting 10 times the number of companies calling us and saying, can we have help with childcare than we ever used to. I mean, we did used to get some inbound, but it's ever since the start of 2021, it is off the charts. And um, I think that's because homeschooling and the the break breaking down the barrier between um, work and home um, has just exposed the role of childcare and the role of parenting like never before. Mm. So having parents in your organisation is great for the product you produce. Having a culture that supports parents is great for them in the way that they work and keeping them in the business and helping parents come um, and see your organisation as a place uh, where they should work. And I guess now more than ever, it's something that companies should be considering. What are the things that they should be functionally doing? And you've kind of mentioned a few uh, about, about transparency and about candor and you know flexibility. But what are some of the policies? And let's let's you know a couple or three um, that organisations could roll out tomorrow, roll out next week. Things that they can actually do to make their culture more parent friendly. Yeah, cool. So um, a, a couple of couple of really small free ones, and then one that's not free. Um, so one of the things we, we, a practice we do as part of this transparency thing, I kind of alluded to it before is, um, at the, not at the start of every meeting, but at the start of selected specific meetings, we go around and, um, and we all just say how we're feeling. And the way we do it is we have to say three adjectives. Uh, it it has to be three. And quite often people only want to do one or two. And we always say, we always force them to do three. The reason is because it's often the third one that is very revealing. So people will be like, um, fine, good, and devastated. <laughs> yeah, fine, good, and like overwhelmed. <laughs> um, so that's, that, that's just a practice that really helps us with this um, like emotional candor. I think the second one that really um, helps us um, also is is um we have a slack channel called Cory Kids Parents and um it's where we we can we can vent we can talk about like like what our kids are doing we share photos you know that kind of thing and that's part of like just just making it all visible and bringing our whole selves to work and I think those two things are like free things that any organization can do um or any part of an organization um the one that's not free that we do um which is a big deal for us is um, we subsidize childcare by 50%. And um, that is just a, a nod to like how important we think childcare is and childcare infrastructure. Um, and that's the thing that I'm also talking to a lot of companies about is um, from a, from a service perspective, like, cause we provide it. So we're talk- that's why we're talking to companies about it. Um, but what we find is that, you know, we're in, in doing that, especially during homeschooling, um, we're recognizing that these two parts of people's lives are totally entwined and parents just need support to be able to like bring all their talent and, and all their energy to, to the job. And that's why we do that. So um, create an environment where people can share how they're really feeling and, and be vulnerable. 
um, create spaces for uh, parents to maybe help each other realise that their experiences are not isolated, they're not alone, there are other things happening they can talk and share. And then, um, yeah, have a conversation about like how important um, something like childcare might be as a benefit for your organisation. And obviously, if people are listening and that's something they're interested in, then they should head to the Corakids website, right? Yeah, that's right. Perfect. Um, uh, and with that, we're going to wrap up uh, today's show. It's like a superb 35 minutes of, of conversation. And I hope everyone that is listening has really, really enjoyed that. Um, as ever, I need to say uh, a big thank you uh, to Rachel for joining us, joining us today. Uh, thank you, Rachel. It's, it was very fun. Thank you. Good, I'm glad. Um, and uh, to Mel, uh, behind the glass, our expert producer, for keeping the show on the road. Uh, to all of you uh, for listening along, wherever you are, uh, we really appreciate it. And if you are feeling generous and kind, um, please do head to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Say nice things. Give us five stars. I will be forever grateful. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again soon. Uh, I've been Ben Branson, your host, and this has been the Culture Ops Podcast.